gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 174 of the podcast that was originally recorded on August 13th of 2017. Some of the games I played this week, I did a solo playthrough on our Twitch channel of Roleplayer, and this time I actually played the physical version. I did not use Tabletopia. We played a little modern art, a Kinesia classic, played a newer to the U.S. deck builder called Heart of Crown, and then we also visited a little drawing game called Looney Quest, which was kind of crazy. I also talked about a few of the things that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. We are in episode 174 of the podcast. Thank you for joining me. As always, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now and has been quite active for the past couple of weeks as my wife and I actually start playing through games twice a week. We were doing a Saturday and Tuesday stream. We're going to change that to Wednesday because I think that's going to fit in a little bit better with our schedule. So Wednesday and Saturday will be our streaming nights and you can then find those videos once I get them edited and uploaded to YouTube on youtube.com slash what I'm playing now. So that's a little bit of what is going on within our studio here at the Whippin' House. Other than that, let's jump into some of the games I played for the week under what I'm playing now. This past week, I actually did a solo stream for Roleplayer, which I have only played a few games of Roleplayer solo. I actually did one about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago now, on Tabletopia because my wife was sick this past week. She was she still had a little bit of a cough going in there, so I really didn't. Both of us felt that she really probably shouldn't be on video and was having trouble controlling that cough. So I was like, well, let me just actually play our physical copy of Role Player, And I had a pretty good time doing that. Uh, I know last week I had mentioned I had played that on Tabletopia, but I really didn't go into too much of the rules for the solo playthrough. So most of the game is played like you normally do. You're setting up the game for a two-player game. One of the biggest differences, though, with playing a solo game of Role Player is... When you are taking one of the initiative cards, and since you're set up for a two-player game, you have three initiative cards out in front of you on the table. You have a one, two, and a three. Uh, As normal, you do have a gold piece on the second one. If you take that first initiative card and then obtain the die off of that one, nothing happens. You get to put that die in your tableau and actually build out one of your attributes. But if you take the second or third initiative card that's sitting out there, You have a six-sided die that you have to roll, and based on what you roll, you could possibly have to discard one of the market cards that have been uh, flipped over for that round. So as you could probably see if you've watched my video, there were several times where there was maybe a piece of armor or something that I actually wanted at the marketplace. I took that second or third initiative card, had to roll that six-sided die, and of course the card that I wanted was actually put into a trash pile. So that is one other thing at the start of the game. You do have to flip over one card from the marketplace and start kind of like a secondary discard pile, which is called a trash pile. And that's where those cards will actually go when you're rolling that six-sided die. They don't necessarily go into the discard pile because they are kind of put out of play and you really can't uh, bring those cards back or utilize them or, or go through the discard pile like you can in the normal or by with the normal discard pile that's in the game. 
that is pretty much the biggest difference, I would say, when you're playing a solo game. At the end of the game, you're counting up your victory points like you normally do. They give you a chart that lets you know how you kind of stacked up and where you are. I'm normally right around 28 to 29 points. I seem to be averaging literally every game that I play solo. I think I did that on Tabletopia, and then I played a couple of solo games and I have hit that 20 to 29 mark, and I am just usually one card, maybe one piece of armor shy of getting up into the 30s, or, you know, I'm getting that armor discarded from and going into that trash pile, which is kind of just throwing me off, or I'm missing one of the die on my attributes to not get six and only getting five there. So role player solo is pretty cool. I think we will eventually play a two-player game because uh, I don't think I've actually ever played just a two-player game of that. And I wouldn't mind actually playing that when the expansion comes out that was kickstarted recently. So that is role player. If you are looking for a nice dice manipulation type game, you like um, role-playing games where you're actually rolling dice and coming up with the attributes and stats for your character, that simulates this game. That simulates that kind of like what you're doing there pretty well, and it's actually a fun dice manipulation game. I really enjoy it, so definitely check that one out if you haven't yet. After that, I made it down to my local game store this past week. One of the first games we played is a reprint of a game that is actually from 1992, a Reiner Knizia classic called Modern Art. I have never actually played the original or any of the, I don't know how many reprints there have actually been. Uh, this is the latest one from Cool Mini or Not from Simon. For it being just a card-based game where you kind of just have a scoreboard and cards and it is just completely auction style, this is just one spectacularly fun game. We played two games of this before we actually jumped into a few other things down at the game store on Thursday. The first was a four-player. The second was a five-player. You can knock this game out easily in probably a good 30 to 45 minutes. Once people get going, and if, as long as you have people who are into the whole auction component, really like to do the bidding. Uh, the main thing with this game is everybody's going to start off with a hand of cards. You're going to go around the table, whoever the first player is for that turn they're going to set a piece of art down in the table and everybody's going to bid on it each card will have a different icon on there and there are multiple types of auctions that you can do in the game there is some cards that'll let you actually put two pieces of art down on the table there are times where you're going to be where the the player who's is the first player whose turn it is they will control what the price of that art is and state that it will go around the table everybody will have a chance to possibly uh, pay that if it gets back to the person who stated that amount they will then have to pay that there are also a couple of different other types of an open art auction where everybody's just screaming out numbers there's ones where it's just going to go around the table and you can increment each other so there's various kinds of auctions actually in this game in the different arts cards like i said will have an icon on there depicting what format it will be for that particular piece of art once that fifth piece of art is put into play the action will actually stop for that round that particular color of art will be what is going to be worth 30 points for the round. You're then going to see who has the second highest amount of art in everybody's tableau by adding it together. That will be worth 20. The next one lowest will be worth 10. The two last ones will be worth nothing. And it's interesting because art colors, the, the different colors, there's red, yellow, green, uh, blue, I think, the different colors are going to fluctuate in their prices based on the people that are playing the cards and how many they're actually getting out. So if I'm working on getting more reds out in one round, the next round other people may focus on something other than reds. So reds may actually be worth nothing the next round 
but then around later they may be worth something, you're going to actually total all of the sums of the columns for an art as long as it has it, as long as it has a value for that particular round. So you'll you'll sum the total of all the previous rounds. If an art doesn't have any actual value for that particular round, even though it might have had some before, it's basically fallen out of everybody's favor and nobody will want to basically pay for anything that turn so it's worth nothing until a later round where it may actually have some value again. So the whole style with trying to judge the market, what things are going to be worth is really interesting. You could explain this game very easily to somebody probably within a Within five minutes, you could be sitting down playing this game as there really isn't much to the rules. Once everybody learns the iconography for the different art auction styles, which we were, we had the book out in front of us and we were just throwing the cards on there and just referring to them. Because some of us, there were some people at the table where you're getting a little confused with some of the different icons. But once you learn them, it's very easy to remember what is what. It is just a great auction game. Like I said, we played with four and five, adding that fifth player didn't seem to even add any length to the game at all. We were able to knock it out in probably just as much time as we took with a four-player game. We just really, and I, I I enjoyed it, and I think everybody at the table actually enjoyed it as well. So I would say if you're looking for a good three- to five-player game, definitely check out Modern, Modern Art from Cole Mini or Not by Reiner Kinesia. Definitely a classic, and it's definitely worth a play. After that, a couple of us split off because we didn't have another... I think we had six people that were wanting to play games at that time, and nobody really had any six-player games, so we broke up into a couple of groups of three. And there were a bunch of other people down at the store, too, but the people that were kind of around our table, there were six of us who weren't actively engaged in a game at that time when we had finished the modern art game. So we broke up into a couple of groups of three, and a couple of us split off, and we played a little game that has just been released in the U.S. It looks like it had actually been released over in Japan from what Board Game Geek is saying back in 2011, which I'm very surprised. It looks like it had a Kickstarter here in the U.S. last year in 2016. It is called Heart of Crown. That is being published by Japanime Games, which has brought over some really, really cool games from, from Japan. This one is, at its essence, just a simple deck builder. You can pretty much make this akin to Dominion, and that is pretty much the way I was kind of thinking about it. Everybody starts off with a hand of the same set of cards. You're going to be playing cards and trying to purchase different cards from the center of the table. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get enough locations that you can actually put in front of you and then have enough money to where you can purchase one of the queens, I believe it was, is what they are called, from the game and actually recruit that queen, and then once you have the queen and a couple of locations in front of you, you're then able to start recruiting towards endgame victory points. There are other players or other cards on the table that have victory points on them, and it is, I think, the first player to 25 is the winner. Once somebody hits 25, you're playing through that final round. If multiple people can get up to 25, anybody that's not at 25, and I was the person who wasn't at 25, is out for the game. I think it's then played until around 30, I think is with the way the scoring works. And so I had to sit there for a couple of turns while Dave and Eric fought over who was going to win that one. But it's, like I said, at its essence, it's kind of just Dominion style with just different art. Some of the actual things you can do are really, really interesting in the game because you can make your opponents flip over the top card of their deck 
as the active player, you can then tell them whether you want to possibly discard that card or not. Some of the kind of like dead cards that you would have in your hand that really are just for filler. Those are the types of cards you would normally just let say, hey, you know, let that sit on the top of your deck. Uh, if there was a location that possibly flipped over or a territory, you would want them to possibly discard that because that is what they are using to actually get their coins to be able to purchase for the round. So you want to try to negate that as much as possible so they don't have as much coinage as they would need to be able to purchase something for the round. The art on the cards is really nice. It's It's a game that... You know, I would say anybody would be able to play. I was, wasn't too sure since it was anime style how the art would actually be. Nothing was very offensive in the game. It played very nice for a deck builder. I'd actually like to see some of the other cards that were actually in the box because being a deck builder, there's a lot of different ways you can set up the whole center tableau. It's interesting because you have a stack of cards and just like Dominion style, once... Uh, well, I, Dominion's not really like this. There's a stack of cards in the middle, and there's only a limited number of cards around the outside. Once a stack is depleted, you're flipping over a card, and if that card is already depicted out in the tableau, you just add it to that stack. If a new card comes out, you will put that in the empty stack. Then that's when you stop basically drawing cards. So I believe we had actually depleted the whole draw deck from the center of the board and pretty much saw all of the different cards that were available in our game. And we had a really good time. I mean, it played pretty quick. On here, it says it plays in 30 minutes. I think it maybe took us a little bit longer because we were having to read all the cards. We were having to learn some of the iconography on there. Dave and I had a few questions since it was our first time playing in regards to how some of the different territories worked. Because when you do get some territories in front of you, when you do purchase that queen, uh, you're allowed to actually use those territories to place a card on there to kind of use as almost like a secondary hand. So if I had a territory that was worth six, I could place a card that was six or less cost on there or a total of cards that were six or less on there to actually not have to discard during that turn, which is really interesting too. You can pick them up during your turn to actually use them at any time. So that is a way you can use the territories in front of you if you could get some of the more expensive ones out there, because I think some of the territories you had were worth one, three, and six, or one, yeah, I think one, three, and six, because I think I had one of the, a couple of the threes out at one time, and I had some four-cost cards I wanted to put on there, and I wasn't able to. So I had to discard those cards, which was kind of a bummer. But it's a really interesting deck builder. I liked it. The art was really cool. Um, like I said, this game seems like it has just recently come out here in the U.S. I believe some people did import it from Japanime Games. But after their Kickstarter, and it looked like it took them a year to almost fulfill this Kickstarter, which is kind of crazy considering the game had been released in Japan for so many years. I'm not too sure why printing the game possibly would have taken so long, but it does seem to be like it is kind of popular from reading on some of the forums on BoardGameGeek. So if you're looking for a different style deck builder, check out Heart of Crown. After that, Dave pulled out a little game called Looney Quest, and I wasn't really too sure how this one was going to play, as this one definitely seems to be a family-style games. We played four players, I think it was, knocked the game out in probably a good 30 minutes. It is a shorter-style game. This game has a basically a whole tile of mats in there that you're going to be setting into the center of the table. Whoever the active player is, they will have the view of the mat facing them. Everybody else has to look at it from a different angle. And what you're trying to do is you have a clear sheet of plastic on a board in front of you, and you're trying to draw a line to connect different items on the board that you're looking at at the center of the table, or you're trying to put dots on certain parts of the board and you're taking that clear then piece of plastic 
and you're setting it over the the board, the tile that's in the middle of the table to see if you've actually hit anything that you shouldn't be. So you could possibly try and chain together little stars for victory points or something. And as long as you're not hitting any of the bricks or any of the different um, monsters or so that are on the board, you will actually get some victory points. If you hit any of those things, you could possibly lose victory points. There are other icons on the board that you could go over that will get you um, some positive or negative effects. There's like a positive effect that you could get where there's like a banana where you can throw that chip onto somebody else's board and they have to leave it lie wherever it lands and then draw around it. There is a mosquito, I think, where you have to put this token on top of your marker. As you're drawing, the mosquito has to stay put on that marker. If it falls off, you have to stop drawing, pick it up and put it on there and then start drawing again. So there's just a lot of fun, crazy little things that you're going to find in this family style game. It, like I said, it's definitely a family style game. We normally don't play games like this, but it was actually kind of cool to just play a quick 30 minute game at the end of the night just as a nice little filler game. And it was something that you really didn't have to think too much about. You kind of just looked at the picture in the middle of the table, figured out where you wanted to start your drawing or figured out where some of the different iconography was on the center of the board and just try to mimic it on your piece of plastic and then see how good you did. You're playing through about seven or eight different tiles, I think, seven or eight different boards. And it was just a cute, fun little family style game. So if you're looking for something that plays, um, I think two to five people is what it says here on Board Game Geek. And you have some kids, or even if you're just sitting around possibly drinking and looking for something to do with that. Although the drawing and drinking, I don't know how advisable that would be. It would be very tricky to keep straight lines and possibly avoid certain things and not be seeing double. But it could be hella fun to do that. So why not? But it was cool. It was fun. We really enjoyed it. I was glad we actually played that one. I actually didn't do too bad in it. I didn't win, but it was still just a pretty cool game. And I think that is pretty much it for the games I played for the week. Let's talk about a few of the games that I want to play now. And then we're going to wrap up this podcast and I'm going to get back to editing some videos and try to get some more videos up to our YouTube channel. So Fantasy Flight this week actually announced... Fallout is coming out in 2017. So this actually looks to be a board game that is based around the video game Fallout. And we all know that I did spend quite a bit of time with Fallout 4. I was really kind of bummed with the ending. I really didn't like the way they kind of forced you to pick some different things. I really wasn't too sure about that. But I spent a good 100 plus hours playing the damn game. So I obviously had to enjoy it some. But I'm kind of really interested in seeing what they are going to do with this actual board game. It sounds like it's going to be a longer game. It's probably going to take course over about 120 to 180 minutes is going to be the length of the game. So it's definitely not something that is short, but it sounds like it's kind of scenario based and you're trying to just go along and just explore this map. And it sounds like it could be kind of fun. It's for one to four players. And I'm really interested in getting and finding out more about this game and seeing some more pictures on it and learning a little bit more about it. So I'm really looking forward to more information coming out at Gen Con in regards to Fallout. And I think this could actually be a pretty interesting game. Other than that, in looking around on Board Game Geek, one of the other games that is getting a reprint is another Reiner Knizia game. It must be a great week for him because this is the second game we're talking about by him. And that is Through the Desert. This appears to be a tile placement game that I've actually never played. And looking through some of the pictures on BoardGameGeek, this actually looks like something I wouldn't mind actually getting to the table. So I was reading a little bit about it and was like, hey, I'm 
definitely going to talk about this one and say this one is making the list of something I wouldn't mind playing now. It is well plays two to five players. I am going to keep an eye on this one, do a little bit more research and actually see if some of the guys that actually have older games in their collection, if somebody has maybe the original copy of this or something to bring in so we can actually get this one to the table before the new one actually comes out. That is one of the nice things I like about going down to my friend, the local game store. Some of the guys who come down there and ladies as well have some very nice collections at home and they have some of these older games that I necessarily have not played. So it's fun sometimes when they bring in some of these older ones and we can get them to the table. Other than that, one Kickstarter I got in this past week that I actually had to mention that I am really looking forward to is the Apocrypha Adventure Card Game. This is from Lone Shark Games. This is from Mike Selinker. This is going to be the post-apocalyptic replacement for me for the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. And longtime listeners of the podcast know that I am a huge fan of the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. I ran the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game down at my local game store for about three years before we switched over to playing a couple of other games, like the Arkham Horror Card Game. But I would hopefully like to get my Sunday crew back together to start playing through this. And I'm torn as to whether I want to play it co-op style or whether I want somebody to run it like a GM and play it like an RPG. I... I'm going to have to talk to everybody to see how we want to. I don't know. I have not GM'd a game or dungeon mastered a game probably in 20 to 30 years, I would say. So I don't know how good my chops would be at DMing a game and running something like this. If one of the other guys would do that, I would definitely play it. If we all want to play it co-op like we did with the Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, I'd be completely fine with that as well. And reading through some of the rules, probably the biggest thing for me right now is just learning all the different terminology that this game has, where it is different from the Pathfinder card game, because everything is something different. But there is still some similarities between the two games, but I think there's going to be enough difference here between these that if you, one, don't like the Pathfinder Adventure card game, or two, you're not really into fantasy and you want to play post-apocalyptic, I think this game would definitely be something for you to look at. There it definitely seems to be quite a bit different with your character as far as how the character creation goes and how the characters are played and how they are affected by the game in the long term as you're playing through a scenario through some of the different cards that you're going to be playing. It looks really interesting so far. Hopefully, I will get an unboxing for this recorded, and hopefully I can get this learned and actually get, um, maybe my wife and I can maybe go through a co-op game of this, just maybe playing through the tutorial scenario here on our stream channel. We'll have to see how fast I can learn this and how fast we can actually feel comfortable with playing this one. But of course, I'm really excited to play this one. It looks great. And I can't wait to actually see the rest of the scenarios come out because we just received box one, which is the world. And there are a couple of more scenarios that if you did pledge at the higher levels on Kickstarter, you will be able to get and they will be sent out to you at a later time. So other than that, those are some of the games that I played for the week and a few of the things that I want to play. Until next week, keep an eye out on our Twitch channel. We're going to be probably very active on our Twitch channel during this week as we are participating in Gen Cant. So as I said, we moved our Tuesday night stream to Wednesday. So we're probably going to be streaming Wednesday this week. I'm not too sure what yet. We will tweet out and send out some messages as to what we're going to be doing Wednesday. 
Thursday, I don't know if we will be doing anything at all. If we do, it might be a lighter game. But we plan on at least playing one or two games Friday and Saturday night. And then hopefully doing a stream pretty much most of Sunday where we're going to try to hit just a large group of games. And I may just play a game and then take a little break so I can kind of cut off the video to start off different files so it'll be easier for me to edit things. But, you know, on Twitch on Sunday, we're going to be very active on Saturday, depending on when my wife is working, we'll have to see how that goes because I know she is going to be in training for her job right now. So I don't know if I'll be doing any solo games on Saturday, but I may do a solo playthrough of role of um, actually Valeria Card Kingdoms again because I think in my last video I messed up the scoring that I did at the end of the game. So I want to kind of get that down and maybe Saturday while she's working, maybe I'll actually do a stream restream of that one and actually play through that one and actually get that part of the game correct. But other than that, like I said, definitely keep an eye on our Twitch channel. We're playing a lot of different games. We were chatting with a few different people yesterday. We're going to be playing a lot of different games from our collection and any games that any distributors or publishers send to us, we will try to learn those as fast as we can and get those played as well. I know for Gen Cant, I have IDW sending us a few games that I'm really looking forward to playing, and we will probably be doing those on Sunday. But other than that, we're just going to be picking games that we know and are learning through our collection. Some may be lighter, some may be heavier. We're going to be playing games from, you know, like Lords of Waterdeep all the way up to I want to play Lignum and maybe even a little Food Chain Magnate if I can get my wife to play that one. I think that would be really cool to do a two-player game of that one. So as always... You know what to do. Send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send the emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say, on Facebook. You can do a search for what I'm playing now on Twitch. It is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. And then the videos will eventually end up on YouTube at our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash what I'm playing now. Until next week, everybody, if you are going to Gen Con, have a safe trip, have a good time, enjoy yourself, take care of yourself while there. Don't get the con crud. We were able to avoid that at Origins this year. Gen Con sounds like it's going to be huge this year. So definitely have a great time playing a lot of the games out there. We wish we could be there, but we're going to be home playing Gen Cant. And like I said, keep an eye on Twitch and YouTube and Twitter, and we will let you know when we're going live with everything. But until next week, everybody, have fun gaming, and we will see you next time. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye-bye.